0: well hey good morning everybody and happy new year to you it's great to have you with us today i don't know about you but i am really glad to be here at the start of a new year i've heard several people say that 2021 felt a lot like 2020 part two i'd have to agree with that and i am praying that 2022 does not feel like part three we don't want a trilogy here But I do have to say, with everything happening in the world right now, it it does look like we'll have plenty of challenges ahead of us over the next 12 months. But I also have to say, God is still on his throne. And he's bigger than any trouble we could ever find in this world. So whatever we face this year, we can go to him and find all the help that we need. And with all of that in mind, uh, man. I have been looking forward to this year for lots of different reasons. And I am excited about what God is going to do in and through Plum Creek. Got some exciting things coming, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But for the moment, I want to ask you a question about Jesus. I'd love to know how you would answer this question. And here it is. When you go back and you see everything that Jesus said, everything that he taught, What would you identify as the main theme of his preaching and teaching? I can think of a few possible answers that people might give. Some people might say, well, Jesus taught us how to be a good person. That was his primary theme. He was a great moral teacher. Others would say, no, that wasn't it. Uh, he, He mainly told us how to go to heaven when we die. Still, others would say, "Now, his main theme was love. Jesus taught us how to love God and love people. And you could make a case for all of those answers. But if you go back and look at what Jesus talked about the most, a different theme rises to the top. And it might surprise you. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was central to the teaching of Jesus. He talked about this kingdom from the very beginning of his ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then from there, this phrase, kingdom of God, it appears 53 times in the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And almost every time, it's Jesus speaking these words. And then there's a a very similar related phrase, kingdom of heaven. And those words appear 32 times in Matthew alone. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, it seems like he was always talking about the kingdom of God. In fact, he he connected this theme to his purpose and his mission. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. So if we're going to understand Jesus, we need to understand this theme, right? However, there's a problem here. For many people, including followers of Jesus, the kingdom of God is kind of nebulous, (laughs) what exactly does that mean? Even if you read everything that Jesus said about the kingdom, you might come away a little confused. I'll give you just a few examples. First, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explains that the kingdom is something of great value. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field with the treasure in it. So we don't want to miss out on this kingdom. It's a great treasure, something you definitely want to be a part of. Unfortunately, though, Jesus said it may not be easy for some of us to enter this kingdom. In Mark 10, 25, he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's a little troubling, especially for all of us who live in the United States, which is one of the wealthiest nations in the history of the world. But most of us should be okay, right? Most of us are good church going people. In fact, if you're here in the room today or you're watching online, you have been a part of a church service every Sunday this year so far perfect attendance, way to go. But guess what? Going to church, doing religious things, that won't earn you a place in this kingdom. One day Jesus was speaking to a group of religious leaders and he said, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Seriously, Jesus? Tax collectors and prostitutes? I mean, tax collectors were considered cheats and traitors. And prostitutes, well, they're prostitutes. So what kind of kingdom is this? Jesus gives us a little hint about this kingdom and how you can be a part of it. Over in Mark 10, 14, he uh, talking to a group of people and the disciples tried to keep a group of children from crowding around Jesus and he gets really upset, angry. And Jesus said to the disciples, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Then he went on to say, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now if you're an adult, has anyone ever compared you to a little child? And if so, did you consider that a compliment? Probably not, right? So what is this all about? Being a religious person won't get you into the kingdom. Being a well-known sinner won't keep you out of the kingdom. And if you really want to get in, you have to somehow be like a little child. And then there's another question we haven't even brought up yet, and this is, this is a big one. What is life like in this kingdom, and why do we want to be a part of it? Well, clearly, we need to answer a few basic questions, and we need to answer these questions quickly because this is our main theme here at Plum Creek in 2022. We've started calling this the year of the kingdom, and it's all centered around this prayer, your kingdom come. Now, for a lot of us, maybe most of us, these words are familiar because they come from the most famous prayer of all time, the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I I want to go back and read this uh, and actually pray this, and I invite you to join me. Let's let's do this together out loud. Uh, We'll do Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 9, and we'll go through verse 13. Uh, You can read it or recite it either way, but let's make this a prayer. Okay, here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you for that. Thank you for praying along with me. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray. And our theme for 2022 is an important part of this prayer. Your kingdom come. Throughout this year, our church will be praying those three words. We'll be asking for God to bring his kingdom here. But as we do that, we need to know what we're praying for. What is this kingdom? And what will happen when God's kingdom comes? Well, to answer these questions, we're starting out with a crash course called Kingdom 101. That's how we're beginning this year. And we can't go into great depth because this is a huge topic, but this morning we're going to get the view from about 30,000 feet. So let's we'll start with a very basic question What is the kingdom of God? Now, obviously, we need to answer that question based on Scripture. But we'll begin with a simple definition and then we'll go back and see what God says in His Word. So here's the definition. Uh, To put it simply, the kingdom of God is any place where God's rule and His reign have truly begun. Now you're going to hear that definition a lot over the next couple months. So I want to read it again. The kingdom of God is any place where where God's rule and his reign have truly begun. As you look at that definition, it it automatically brings up a follow-up question. If God is the almighty creator of the universe, which makes him the ultimate king, how could any place be outside of his rule and his reign? Seems like God is already the king over everything, right? Right? Well, in one sense, that is absolutely true. Psalm 103, verse 19 says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. So yes, God is the King over everything. But as we look at the world today, and as we look at the history of the world, it's very clear that many people do not acknowledge God as the King. We talked about this during our Christmas series Way back in the book of Genesis, there was a time when God's kingdom existed in this world in its perfect form. And when was that time? It was back in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden, God ruled over everything and everything was good. But then there was that terrible day when Adam and Eve both chose to reject the kingship of God. They chose to disobey God's command. That's when sin entered the world, and that's also when death entered the world. And from that point on, all of humanity has suffered. We've all experienced the pain that comes from living in this fallen world. We've all been hurt by the sins of others, and we've also hurt others by our own sin. Worst of all, though, our sin severed our relationship with God. We've all rejected him as king at some point. Uh, We all renounced our citizenship in his kingdom. And he respected our decision. However, God was not content to leave things that way because of his love for us. So he put a plan into motion. God's plan is to build a new kingdom in this world in the midst of the old broken kingdom. And in in the new kingdom, all the citizens are willing subjects. They serve the Lord from their hearts. And this is where Jesus comes in. Jesus came to this world to step into his role as king in the kingdom. And he invited all of us to be a part of it. Now, we deserve to be shut out of this kingdom, but Jesus paid the price for us to get back in. He went to the cross. He sacrificed his own life on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And then on the third day after he was crucified, he rose from the dead, and his resurrection inaugurated this new kingdom. So, where can we find this kingdom today? Is it in heaven? Sure, it is. You know, in heaven, God certainly rules and he reigns. Uh, No one violates His will there, but the kingdom also shows up here on earth in the hearts and the lives of everyone who has surrendered to God's rule and reign. It shows up in every individual follower of Jesus. It shows up in the collective body of the church. So it's here, but we also look forward to this future time when God's kingdom will come in its final perfected form. And this is another thing that can be a little confusing. Is the kingdom of God a present reality, or is it something that we're still waiting for? Different people have different ideas about this, so let's ask that question. When is the kingdom of God coming? Is it a now thing or a later thing? let's, Let's go back to what Jesus said. One day, the Pharisees asked him this very question. Luke 17, verse 20. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So Jesus uses the present tense here, the kingdom is in your midst. It's already arrived. And that makes sense because when Jesus entered this world, the king of the kingdom was present. He was here in our midst. But if that's the case, why are there other places where Jesus talks like the kingdom is not here yet? The Lord's Prayer is a perfect example. Why would we pray, your kingdom come, if it's already arrived? Well, here's the deal. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom as both present and future. The kingdom of God is both already and not yet. So how does that work? Well, I heard an illustration that might be helpful. Think about a woman who is five months pregnant. Her due date is still months away. So in this situation, how do we think about the the baby? (laughs) Has the baby arrived at that point? Well, in one sense, yes, because even in the womb, this, this baby is a real person, a, a, a real human being. But in another sense, the baby's not here yet. Uh, we, we use that language after he or she has been born. Now the baby has arrived. And obviously, this is not a perfect analogy, but this is a pretty good way to think about the kingdom. In one sense, It's already here. In another sense, it hasn't arrived yet. So, for all of us who have surrendered to the king of this kingdom, we're we're in this time of waiting. But God has not called us to sit around and kill time while we wait. He wants to partner with us to bring about his kingdom. And one of the first things he calls us to do is pray. That's what Jesus taught us, right? He told us to pray this prayer, Your kingdom come. So let's think about this. Why should we pray for this kingdom to come? After all, God already knows when this world will end, and it seems unlikely that He would change the date based on our prayers, but we might be forgetting something. In the Lord's Prayer, what comes after those words, Your kingdom come? You remember? He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the the heaven part is already covered. In heaven, everyone accepts God's authority. But like we said, that's not the case here on earth. So, Jesus tells us to pray this prayer. He, He asks us to pray that God's will is done here on earth just like it's already uh, present in heaven. The kingdom is already there. So this is why we pray. We pray because this world is broken. It's a mess. It's full of heartache and pain and disease and death. But what would it mean for God's kingdom to grow and expand here in this world? Well, it's a beautiful thought because wherever God rules as king, everything is made right. Wherever God's kingdom grows here and now, you'll see healing and restoration follow behind. So this is where we start. We start with this prayer, your kingdom come. But we don't stop with a prayer. God has given us a mission. He's given us work to do. And that leads us to another question. How can we be a part of the work of God's kingdom? Now, I need to pause here because this is another place where people get confused. There's a a certain group of Christians who talk a lot about kingdom work, but they mean something that's different than what the Bible says. For this group of Christians, kingdom work is, is really just going out and doing good. It's feeding the hungry. It's helping the poor. It's digging wells in Africa or fighting injustice. And don't get me wrong, these are all good things, and God definitely calls follower of Jesus to do good in this world. But you know what? There are plenty of people outside the church who do a lot of good. They show compassion, they meet needs. Plenty of non-Christians make a positive difference in this world, but that is not necessarily kingdom work. It's not the same thing as building God's kingdom. The reality is, the kingdom of God does not show up outside of a life that has been transformed by Jesus. The kingdom shows up in a follower of Jesus. It shows up in the church, the true church. And make no mistake, Christians will do good works, but those good works will be the natural outcome of a life that is surrendered to the king of this kingdom. That's why the mission of the church begins with leading people to a life changing relationship with Jesus. And then from there, as we become more like Jesus, we bring glory to God by showing compassion and doing good. I came across a very concrete example of this. And ironically, this example, this testimony, comes from an atheist. Matthew Paris grew up in Africa. And growing up, his family moved around quite a bit. They, they lived in several different countries in Africa. And eventually, Matthew ended up in the UK. And several years ago, he wrote an article for the London Times. And in that article, he talked about a trip that he took back to Africa where he grew up. He uh, talked about going to Malawi where he saw several charity groups digging wells, providing water for different communities. And I want to read you what he wrote. Listen to this. He said, When I saw those wells being dug, it inspired me, renewing my flagging faith in development charities. But traveling in Malawi refreshed another belief, too. One, I've been trying to banish all my life, but an observation I've been unable to avoid since my African childhood. It confounds my ideological beliefs, stubbornly refuses to fit my worldview, and has embarrassed my growing belief that there is no God. And here's where it gets really interesting. Matthew says, now a confirmed atheist... I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It is a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real and the change is good. Isn't that amazing? This guy doesn't even believe in God, but he recognizes the transformation that takes place when God's kingdom arrives on the scene. You know, there are plenty of people in this world who believe it's actually wrong to do the work of evangelism in other cultures to try to lead people to Jesus. But Matthew Paris came to a different conclusion. He said, removing Christian evangelism from the African equation may leave the continent at the mercy of a destructive combination of Nike, the witch doctor, the cell phone, and the machete. In other words, without Jesus, the people of Africa will descend into consumerism and spiritual darkness and or violence. Even an atheist can see that God's kingdom is a priceless treasure. So this is what we pray for. We pray and we work for the growth of God's kingdom, which can only happen by His leading and by His power. And that brings us back to our theme here at Plum Creek for 2022. Your kingdom come. It's the year of the kingdom. And I'll tell you how we landed on that theme. A few months ago, we started asking this question. If we follow wherever God leads, do whatever he wants us to do, how much good could we do for his kingdom over the next year? I'll tell you what, that question was energizing. It it fired up our imagination. You know, the last two years have been tough. I don't have to tell you that. We've all faced challenges on many different levels. And that's certainly been true for those of us who serve as leaders in the local church. But at some point, we have to go back to what I said earlier. God is still on his throne. And he is sovereign over this universe. And no virus will stop him from building his kingdom. So that leaves us with a decision to make. Are we going to wait for things to get back to normal? Or will we get busy doing what God has called us to do? I don't want to wait. God has given me this one life, and I don't want to waste it. So I love this question. If we're willing to follow wherever God leads, if we're willing to be generous with the resources that He's entrusted to us, if we're willing to be uncomfortable willing to learn to love like Jesus and step out and do things we've never done before. How much good could we do this year? The leadership of Plum Creek has been praying through this question for some time now and we've put some plans in place and I won't go into much detail right now but some exciting things are coming. In just a few weeks, we're going to do a special fast as a church. It's called a beans and rice fast. And this will be a part of a special offering that will help us make a big impact in God's kingdom. Another thing to look forward to is our week of serving. We're going to spend seven days as a church going out into this community, showing compassion, meeting needs, sharing the love of God all over northern Kentucky. Later in the year, we're planning two short-term mission trips one to Guatemala, another to North Africa. Uh, we're planning a Sunday morning worship service that will happen outdoors and off-site. We're taking what we do here out into the community. Uh, we're also going to give family kingdom challenges that will help you step out of your comfort zone for the sake of God's kingdom. We've got lots of reasons to be excited, but it all begins with a prayer. Your kingdom come. So this is our action step this morning. I want to to challenge every member of Plum Creek to pray every single day of 2022. We know that prayer changes things, and we want to be focused in the way that we pray. So we're providing a prayer calendar every month this year. Uh, We'll have both a paper version and a digital version of this calendar. Uh, You can find the paper version in the Beacon, which is our newsletter. And by the way, uh, this month we're mailing out the Beacon to everyone for the first time in over 10 years. If you're not on the mailing list, let us know. We'd be glad to get you on there. Um, You can also get the digital version of this calendar from our website, uh, in the bulletin today, there is a QR code that you can scan with your phone, and that'll take you directly to the calendar. If you're watching online today, you can just scan your screen, and that'll take you right there. Uh, if you don't mind typing, you can also go to plumcreek.org prayer. Now, I, I want to spend the last few minutes here walking through this prayer calendar. You know, it can be overwhelming to look at all the things that we have to pray about. And most of us gravitate to certain areas of prayer, and then we neglect other areas. For example, it's it's very easy for many of us to pray for people who are sick, and that's definitely a good thing. It's a good thing to ask God for physical healing, but there is so much more to prayer than that. So in this calendar, we have a theme for every day of the week, and on individual days, we have a specific prayer focus. Here on January 1st and 2nd, we're keeping it simple. We're praying for God's kingdom to come here in our community and beyond in 2022. Then after this weekend, we'll, we'll take Sundays and, and we'll focus on praising God. We'll thank Him for who He is, uh, all of His blessings. We'll thank Him for His love and His grace. Then on Mondays, we'll lift up specific needs. Sometimes we'll pray about physical needs. Other times we'll lift up spiritual needs. On Tuesdays, we'll pray for specific ministries of the church. Uh, For example, on January 11th, we'll pray for kids and student ministries. Uh, We can pray for the leaders and volunteers in those ministries that they will partner with parents to help lead our children to know and follow Jesus. Later in the month, on January 25th, We'll pray for the ministry of Camp Northward. If you were here last Sunday, you heard a powerful sermon from Nathan DeRico, who is uh, the director of Camp Northward, and as of this year, he's also an elder here at Plum Creek. Now, while we're looking at that particular day, I want to mention something. In the digital version of this calendar, many of the days have a link that will take you to a prayer resource. Uh, Here on January 25th, that link will take you to the Camp Northward website where you can learn more about who they are and what they do. And that will help you pray specifically. I really encourage you to follow these links as we pray. And along those lines, I want to mention another helpful resource that we can use on Thursdays. That's the day where we'll pray for people we know who need Jesus, whether that is uh, friends or family or neighbors. Now, the link on that day will take you to a website called Bless Every Home, and this is very cool. Uh, If you go to the Bless Every Home website, or if you download the free app, you can sign up, enter your home address, and then all of a sudden, uh, you'll see a map of your neighborhood. You'll see uh, specific homes with the names of your neighbors, and you can commit to pray for certain neighbors on certain days of the week. Uh, Right now, I've adopted 12 homes in my neighborhood, and this app reminds me every Thursday to pray for those families. And when you pray, you can click on an icon, and then it records and counts your prayer in the global network of all the people who are praying for their neighbors. You can also join our Plum Creek Church group, and that's a great way to encourage each other to keep praying. Now, of course... You can pray without using this app, but it is helpful to get encouragement and have accountability. There's one more thing I want to mention on this prayer calendar. On Fridays, our prayers will focus on global missions. And this is another one of those areas where we can get a little overwhelmed. But again, we'll keep this very simple. One simple focus per day. I want to look at the example on January 28th here. On that day, we will pray for a specific group of people who have not been reached for Christ, the Chetri people in Nepal. And this is where it's great to have a resource that will help you pray. The link on that day will take you to a website that introduces you to the Chetri people. And this is important because it's kind of challenging to pray for people you don't know. But it's also good to remember that God loves each and every one of the Chetri people just as much as he loves you and me. And God wants his kingdom to expand in Nepal and in the United States and all over the world. So what do you think? Are you up for the challenge? We start with a very doable step here. Just pray one simple prayer every day. But what might happen if we all come together and pray as a church? What might happen if we all follow wherever God leads? How much good could we do for his kingdom? It's an amazing thought. So let's do this. Let's partner with God for the work of his kingdom and to bring him glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you and praise you for seeing us, for caring for us, loving us enough to send your son to die for us so that we could be a part of this kingdom now and forever. And Lord, I do pray that you will use us this year to do the work of your kingdom, that we will see your kingdom grow and expand as people come to know you through Jesus And as we lift you up by representing you well, showing your love and compassion in the name of Jesus. We can't do these things ourselves. So we ask you to work in us and through us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.